Hey friends, welcome back to It Takes a Village, a podcast of Healing Hands International. We're located in Nashville, Tennessee, and my name is still Mark Gent. Uh, today we are welcoming a couple of friends from a fellow nonprofit organization just down the street, Chandler Means and Laura Troop from Agape. Uh, Chandler serves as the executive director. Laura is the director of donor relations. And some of you will be familiar with the ministry of Agape, and maybe some of you will be hearing about it for the first time. But either way, our hope is that you'll be encouraged by their work and learn how they so faithfully serve our community. Here is my conversation with Chandler and Laura. We want to welcome our friends Chandler Means and Laura Troop to the podcast. Thank you guys for driving the one mile to get here from your office. I hope the trails still drive traffic wasn't too bad. It was grueling. I hope the train wasn't across the track. It was not. We should have walked. You could have walked. That you could have walked. Yeah, we do. We are in close proximity to each other. But thank you guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time out of your day to come join us and let us have a conversation. Thanks for having us. As you know, the name of the podcast is It Takes a Village. We launched this in the summer of 2021. And currently we're in season three. Uh, we've had a variety of guests with different backgrounds and from different sectors, and you all fit into our local nonprofit sector. Uh, we really decided from the outset that we wanted to invite others that are working and serving right here in our community in Nashville to be part of it. So we've spotlighted Faith Family Medical Clinic and Open Table and Urban Promise and Really, the, what I tell our guests is the reason we do that is because even though we provide different services, hopefully we're all pulling in the same direction, right? And so we're excited to have the two of you on to get to know you personally, but also to get to know about the ministry of Agape and just to spotlight that wonderful work. And our hope is that maybe there are some listeners out there who haven't heard of Agape or maybe want to get reconnected with it. Well, like I said, we're glad to be here. And I think you're right. Um, you know, there's so many ministries here that do different services, but we're all doing kingdom work. And uh, this community is very supportive of the work that we all do. And there's yeah. plenty of work to go around, so we definitely want to part partner with other organizations like yes. yours and with others who are on mission like we are to do bigger things. No competition, all collaboration. All collaboration. That's the way I want to look at it. So to get to know both of you just a little bit, for our listeners, I've known both of you for a while, but uh, Chandler, you've been married to Sherry for 38 years. Yep, 38 years. Uh, you've got three grown kids. You've got a 16-year-old godson that you're raising right now. You've got six grandkids, you were telling me, with number seven on the way this month. That's right, six grandkids. What? And... Um, Hopefully seven, Lord willing, in about three weeks. You attend the Brentwood Hills Church of Christ? Yes, I do. You guys have been there several years. Uh, you serve as an elder there at church, among other things. And uh, Laura, married to Chad, 19 years. Can't believe it. Feels got, like no time and feels like forever. Yeah, you guys got three kids. You guys right now um, have a gathering of believers that meet in your home for church, just That's walking right. through life together. So just as we dive in, so tell our listeners about the history of Agape and just its rich history and legacy. Chandler is executive director now for 10 years. Um, you've seen it through, 
just a lot of different uh, seasons and change over the last decade uh, for the organization and all the services you provide. Because it, it's a there's a menu like. I've known about Agape since I was a kid. And when you go to the website and like, hey, what's Agape all about? Like there are so many services you provide. So touch on that history and those services, if you will. Sure. Well, thanks for giving me the opportunity to do it. Um, You're right. It is a rich history, especially among churches of Christ originally here in in this community, uh, in the Nashville area, Middle Tennessee, I guess. Uh, 1966, it was chartered. Uh, started services in 1967, I think around, uh, well, January, really, because I think the first Agape in Action was April of 1967. Um, Founded, uh, you know, primarily came out of uh, sort of of Sunday school class at Otter Creek, and uh, actually uh, Miles Ezell and his father, Miles Ezell Sr., were part of the Una congregation, I believe is the way you pronounce that, and and, uh, those those two groups kind of got together and, and some men and, and their wives from those two congregations really kind of were the impetus behind um, getting, getting Agape started. And uh, so, so uh, 1967, I guess, technically was the beginning of services. Primarily, it started out as um, adoption services, uh, serving, uh, you, know, you think about the 60s and 70s, pre, uh, pre uh, Roe v. Wade, well, now we're post-Roe v. Wade, but pre-Roe v. Wade, and uh, a lot of uh, young women who were in unplanned pregnancies, and uh, so Agape was a place that did a lot of work around that with um, a lot of church people, both uh, those receiving those services as well as adoption services as well, and um, and then also to work with so many of uh, the churches in, in Middle Tennessee at the time had kind of orphan homes. And mm-hmm. so helping children who were sort of languishing in uh, orphan homes find permanency, um, st- state was very different, and Department of Children's Services looked very different than it does now. So that was sort of the beginning of it. Uh, over time, uh, counseling became a part of that in the 70s, just working with families, marriages, and so forth, as well as children within those homes. So our counseling program began to grow. Uh, we also began to do uh, sort of state referrals from uh, for foster care and that's still a, a, the bulk of what we we do today you know foster care adoption working with uh, unplanned uh, pregnancies uh, for women and then uh, of course a really strong robust counseling program in 2018 we uh, sort of took on uh, another program that was directly related to uh, domestic violence um, in Davidson County and so we operate now one of two um, domestic violence shelters in Davidson County. Mm-hmm. And then we also work with the uh, department, uh, well, Metro Office of Family Safety at the uh, Family Safety Center, and we write, you know, a little over a thousand orders of protection uh, a year through our, through our advocates that work there. So our programs kind of have expanded mm-hmm. a little bit, and we're continuing to look at how we can expand even more just to serve vulnerable children, vulnerable families, you know, throughout Middle Tennessee. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, I suppose, but um, mm. that gives you a little background Just from so it. so many great ministries that have blessed um, thousands and thousands of people um, here in Nashville and in Davidson County and Middle Tennessee. Well, years. and I would say those, those, you know, those uh, founders in the beginning, you know, there's, there's two agapes in Alabama. There's an agape in North Carolina. There's an agape in Georgia and an agape in Memphis. And they all sort of spawned from those those two churches and 
and those men on, and women on the board in those oh. days, they, they all came out of uh, the original Agape here in Nashville, Tennessee. They all operate independently. Yeah, they're operate autonomous. We are Churches of Christ, you know. So. Yes, yes, they have to be autonomous. <laughs> but they're their own <clears throat> entities, yeah. but they were kind of all birthed out of the same idea. They were. Wow. I'm sure those men and women back in the 60s who just had that original idea never could have imagined what it is today. Yeah. And we're losing a lot of those, but uh, yeah. But uh, I was fortunate to be here early before, you know, well, many, most of them were still here with mm-hmm. us, and and I uh, just enjoyed, you know, sitting down and chatting with them and learning about the original history. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Laura, you're fairly new to the Agape family as far as being employed there. Uh, you joined the team here in the past couple of years. Tell us what made you want to do this work as a director of donor relations. Well, my journey here is a little bit windy, um, but when I was a teenager, my parents took in a, a foster child who was pregnant, who had aged out of the system in Alabama and through Agape North Alabama, again, who's, that's spun from Agape. And um, she and I have maintained a strong relationship. She is a sister to me. And a few years ago, we were across the lunch table from each other, and she said, you can do this. And I said, do what? She said, foster. If you have room in your house and love in your heart, you can foster. And that planted a seed that day. Um, and we prayed about it for about a year before diving in and reaching out to Agape Nashville to be trained to become foster parents. And so in 2015, um, we got licensed and started taking kids into our home. And then a couple years into it, um, I volunteered as a co-trainer when you do pre-service training before you become a foster parent, one of the trainers has to be a foster parent. And so I said, I'll volunteer and do that. I love it. Um, it was so much fun, and I really enjoyed the opportunity, but it was a perfect time because they were looking for a trainer. So I came on staff uh, on contract as a trainer and did that for uh, a little while and then grew into recruiting and training our foster families for the agency and then just transitioned into donor relations in March of this year. Um, and now have the opportunity of seeing how, from all sides, this agency blesses the community. Well, and that role is uh, perfect for you because you know the stories, and you're a story yourself, and that's what it takes in uh, donor relations and fundraising and development is just storytelling, and um, you've got you've got a few of those that we'll ask about in a minute. Yeah, I have a lot of stories in my yeah, arsenal, for yeah. sure. All right, Chandler, you are celebrating 10 years yeah. of being executive director at Agape. and But just instead of asking you what all you've done, which I know is an exhaustive list, uh, let's talk about what you've learned. Um, what have you learned through the last 10 years in this leadership role in leading this organization that just has such a rich history and legacy? Yeah, there's, there's a few things that just really, I think, stand out. Um, when I came, there were some challenges um, a uh, lot, lot of challenges, and um, I'm not sure I had ever really um, sort of wrapped myself in prayer as much as I did, especially when I first came here. I'd, I'd like to think that I still do, but um, but probably more so than I, I was accustomed to. Um, maybe a little bit because you felt inadequate. Um, but uh, I was following Tom Burton, who'd been here for 30 years. Mm, and, a legend. Yeah, and so um, maybe a little bit of that. But there, there were some real challenges that we had, especially financial challenges when, when, uh, when I came. And um, so I think um, 
Lord answered a lot of prayers. Mm. And um, I don't know that I necessarily thought he was, mm-hmm. and he did. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I learned the power of prayer. Mm. Uh, not only prayer for, for Agape as an agency, but prayers over these past 10 years for some of our clients, for some of our children, for some of our staff. Mm-hmm. Um, you just see those prayers answered in very real and tangible ways. And uh, so I think, I think just, I don't know that I learned about the power of prayer, but it was reinforced mm. and um, gave me even greater confidence than maybe that I had before. Or maybe I was, oh, ye of little faith, and, and I have yeah. a lot more faith in it now than I did. I think maybe the second thing is, is, is part of that, too, is, you know, as we said kind of a little bit earlier on, I mean, I do believe this is kingdom work. I believe this work happens and has happened for 55-plus years because God wants it to mm-hmm. and knows it's needed. And so in spite sometimes of the things that we do, God works things out. He shows up. We have a saying at our office, you know, kind of when you're looking like, man, how in the world did that turn out that way or how did those resources come into play for us and our answer is you know but for God and so I, I think you know we continue to see that uh, God just show up in, in just amazing ways uh, to keep this ministry going and to serve the people that we serve mm-hmm. um, and then I think another the third thing probably is um, if you hire really good people and they're on the same mission as you um, ama- good things can happen. Amazing mm-hmm. things can happen. And um, so, like, including Laura over here, uh, the Lord's blessed us with some really good people and people who really care about this work, who are passionate about it, who uh, are on the same mission as the organization, which is to carry out these services that we provide with the love of Christ. So um, I think maybe the third thing, I, 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 it's not necessarily things you didn't already know, but they're kind of been reinforced. You know, you hire good people and good things can happen. And, and I just think, you know, as you learn in foster care, as Sherry and I learned in foster care even before I took this role, is uh, we, we live in a messy, broken world, and we see it every day at Agape. Mm. And we, we see the uh, beautiful things that come out of messiness and brokenness, um, but we see a lot of messiness and brokenness that, um, you know, just going to church every now and then on Sundays and Wednesdays and, you know, doing a few of those kinds of things. You don't necessarily always get to see, mm. but you also don't necessarily always get to see the incredible joy um, and beauty that can come out of um, broken things. We were talking earlier about all the different ministries that you provide, and I get your guys' newsletter and all in emails and so impressed by uh, not only the work you put out, but uh, I'm a stats guy. I love stats yeah, of well, all sorts. Um, that's why you love baseball. Yes, that is true. That's one reason I love baseball. But let's talk numbers. Just um, uh, just what are some of the statistics that you have that help tell the story uh, about the ministry of Agape and as it relates to foster care, adoption, counseling services? Because I really do feel like like we could spit out stats all day long, but... You know, they're, they're more than just numbers. Like, there's a story behind each one of them, you know. But so just what are some of the uh, the big picture uh, numbers that when you're out talking to people or in the office that come to mind? You know, stories, maybe this is my own personal bias, but I love stories, too, just like anybody else. But a story can be a one-off. Um, you know, we can find great stories that will tug at your heartstrings, but how does that compare to what the real issue is and the real challenge is? 
So, I, you know, I just throw some out. I didn't necessarily come totally prepared to do that. But there's a little over 8,000 children in foster care in, in the state of Tennessee. Um, there's, not enough, there's not enough foster families. Um, and uh, so that's, that's a challenge. That's a big problem. Um, there's a little over 400,000. I think the number is up around 420, 420,000 in the United States of America. Wow. So, but, but I think the bigger number around that is in any given year, there's about 130 to 100, well, we'll say 130,000. It might change 5,000 one year over another. 130,000 children who have been socially orphaned. Their, their parental rights have been terminated and they will either languish in foster care or they will, um, are, are they're, they're available for a family to adopt them. 130,000. Wow. So about 65 to 70 of those actually will be adopted. So in any year in the United States of America over the last five, six, seven years, there's about 60 plus thousand kids that could be adopted that are not, and they're languishing as social orphans in a system that does the best it's, it can, but was never designed to take care of kids, mm -hmm. um, you know, the way, the way we take care of kids, especially, mm -hmm. especially in, in, a, in a loving, caring, faith environment. Mm -hmm. So I think those are a few numbers there. You know, we also do mental health counseling. I think a number that shocks a lot of people, especially coming out of the pandemic, um, you know, about one in five children between the ages of three and uh, 17 have been diagnosed or will be diagnosed with some kind of uh, mental health diagnoses. Um, it wasn't quite that high uh, before the pandemic, but since the pandemic, that no those numbers have really escalated. And then I think on the domestic violence side that we deal with, uh, you, you look at those numbers and, um, you know, one in four women will experience some form of uh, sexual assault, domestic assault, violent assault on them in their lifetime. One in four. One that means four. almost any time you go to church and you sit in a pew, there's, there's women and men, one in seven for men, that are sitting in, in your church building that have probably experienced some form of sexual or domestic uh, physical abuse in and their oftentimes lifetime. oftentimes they're sitting there silently. They're sitting there silently. Mm -hmm. um, so those are sort of some broad numbers. And then, uh, yeah, I think for Agape, if you, I think the numbers that kind of pop into my head is <clears throat> 3,500 souls a year that we will touch in some way through the work that we do at Agape. Um, and then I think the other number is probably on any given day, somewhere between 120 and 150 um, children, families, individuals that we will serve on any given day. Wow. And so um, I, I think those are some numbers that, that I would share on this podcast and that are always kind of, you know, in my head. So, um, but I think the other number is one, you know, is, uh, you know, one person can make a difference in the lives of all these people that we've talked about. The, the, the numbers are astounding. And uh, I ask you to share those just for a reason, um, just for that fact of as people uh, who have known about agape for a long time or who may be hearing about it for the first time can just be uh, reminded of that crisis that we have right here at home. You know, I, we're coming out of this hurricane in my home state. And you know, I can't help but think about, you know, the devastation that you see in the property and the buildings and Yet here in Middle Tennessee, you know, in, in the three areas that we work in, there's devastation. There's a hurricane. There's a tornado going on all the time in the lives of, of so many people that we interact with and we don't even know it. 
What would you say sets Agape apart? Well, I mean, the, wor- the work we do in, in all of these areas, um, professional counseling, you know, social services, adoption, foster care, maternity care, um, sing- single parent care. We do a lot of work with single families. Um, and then, of course, uh, in our domestic violence, working with victims that have experienced domestic violence. Um, there are other agencies that do what we do. Um, s- secular agencies, that, government agencies uh, that do what we do. So I, I think, you know, when we think about being different and set apart is, um, is what's in our, our mission statement. Uh, we do it uh, with the love of Christ. That's what drives everything we do. Um, you know, uh, we were talking kind of a little bit about this on the way over here. You know, you, you look in uh, Acts chapter 3, and, and Peter and John, I think, are going into the temple, and there's a lame man there. And um, he asks them basically for money, and uh, Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, uh, but what I give you, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, uh, get up and walk. And so I, I, I like to think that that's what sets Agape apart is, um, you know, our foster families are different because they're missional with the love of Christ. Our, our, our caseworkers, our advocates, our therapists, um, the people that answer the phone in the front office, um, you, you know, what sets us apart is, is the mission uh, from for every single person, board member, volunteer, staff, foster family, adoptive family, um, to serve with the love of Christ in the work that we do. So Chandler, you not only lead an organization that is known for foster care and adoption, but um, you became a foster parent yourself at a different life stage than when most people do. Hmm. Tell us about that. Tell us how you and Sherry came to that decision. And this was years before you even came to Agape. Yeah, actually, the Agape in Georgia is is a, I was serving on the board actually, and um, uh, Sherry and I decided we wanted to be foster parents. So um, I stepped off the board. It was well, my term is up, and um, it was a few years I think before we we made it official, but. Uh, yeah, like Laura, I had been around it as a child. I grew up in Mount Door. There's a children's home there. I saw children who would come into these home, to the home, and many of them are my friends even still to this day. And, and I would see, you know, not, not just a Christian family, but a Christian community. Um, you, you know, you, this is, you know, it takes a village. Well, that was a village that was, um, you know, surrounded them and... and um, they go off to Christian colleges. They came back, taught school there. They went off to do different kinds of things. And many of those children, are, as I said, are, are, many of them are my friends today. Um, they raised families. They sort of broke the cycle of, uh, that they were in of abuse or whatever their family, whatever reasons they came uh, to, the, to the school and to the home there. So I was around it. And um, I just remember, you know, one night um, putting my kids to bed. And um, because I've been in the board at Agape, and because I grew up in that world a little bit, I knew, you know, kids weren't going to bed with full stomachs. Nobody was telling them a Bible story. Um, nobody was changing their diaper. Um, um, I knew that. And I think it just kind of hit me. 
Um, Sherry wasn't familiar with it. That's not necessarily how she grew up. We began to talk about it. And I would almost kind of say in 2004, we became foster parents. And I almost would say I kind of drug her into it. Um, but she would tell you today, it's other than being a mom, she, she believes it's, it's the gift God gave her was to be a foster mom. And she's phenomenal at it. She's unbelievable at it. We've had uh, a little over 30 children in our home over, over the, mm. basically a 16-year period of time. Um, as, as you asked me about earlier or mentioned earlier, uh, Eben uh, came into our home uh, during the pandemic, 2020, um, flew to uh, Medford, Oregon, um, and got him to come back and stay with us, we thought, for just a short period of time. But uh, he had actually come into our home in Georgia at uh, 15 months old. And um, he was, I guess, 13 uh, when, we, when I went to Medford to get him. And, and since then, that time, some tragic things have occurred. And so now he's, he's um, we're raising, you know, him in, in our 60s. Kind of joke, you know, I didn't really plan on raising a teenage boy in my 60s, but the Lord had other plans. Mm-hmm. And it's been a great joy and a blessing. So, um, I, you know, I, I just... You know, I think there were there were these things in my life. Uh, again, Laura kind of alluded to it in her life, that uh, you have a home, you have a place. We were, had busy schedules, couldn't run off, you know, for a week mission trip to different places, and we just decided, you know what, we can put another kid or two in the car, and uh, we can go to activities and ball games, and they'll love it, and they did, and uh, we still stay in touch with most uh, of those children today. So um, I, I think that's. Is that kind of what you were asking yes, me about? I think for so. Sure, for sure. Um, but um, yeah, and, and Sherry, again, I, I think I did kind of. It's kind of my idea in the beginning, but uh, it, it's the Lord. The Lord gifted her with an unusual um, ability uh, to love on kids, be tough on kids, uh, advocate for for children, and um, and it's it's something that she is, uh, you know been blessed to do and been blessed by doing it. Yeah, it's it's admirable for anybody at any age yeah. to be a foster parent. You're so I, I, I want to say that. I do want to, we, we were later in life, and I will share why, because a lot of our foster families are younger at Agape. Um, we were basically, we we're kind of empty nesters. We were almost empty nesters. and um, But we still had kids in school. They were all still in middle school and high school, I guess, when our first child uh, came into care. But I, I would say, you know, it's it was a, there were a, a lot of blessings. Our kids became a part of the ministry. All of our girls now are in their 30s, and you know they still uh, they're still a part of that ministry that we're involved in. And so, um, you know, I, I think sometimes we think about what we're going to do as empty nesters, and what are we going to do with all this time on our hands? Well, we got a really good opportunity for you if yeah. you want to do that. Yeah, that's fantastic. So. Appreciate you sharing that that part of your story. So as it relates to foster parenting, Laura, you and Chad uh, are also passionate about foster care. Uh, you mentioned earlier what that meant for you and your family, and it's been part of your story in your marriage uh, the last 19 years. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we started in 2015. Uh, we got our license then through Agape um, and took our first placement, um, two very rowdy boys, two and three and a half, and they climbed the walls in our house. Um, but man, we loved them deeply. Um we got into foster parenting because our lives were really easy. And people are like, then why would you get into foster parenting? And I said, because I needed something that was going to remind me that I needed God and that I couldn't 
just skate through this life on my own, um, living simply. God wants us to wade into those difficult spaces. Um, when we had our first placement, the um, the CD that was in my car at the time was uh, the new Toby Mac album that had just come out then, and there was a, the boys loved it. By the way, they wanted to just jam to Toby Mac all the time. But there was a lyric to one of the songs that said, it's harder than I thought it'd be. It's taking every part of me, but empty never felt so full. This is mm. what love feels like. And and it is so very true. Um, we have been blessed beyond measure with a very easy life. Our kids are easy and they're compliant and they're smart and they have vibrant personalities and are successful. And, um, and they needed a little bit of, awakening as well to to realize that not everyone is like them that there are other spaces in this world that God wants us walking into he wants us to go to those marginalized communities and bring people to him and expose um, expose them to his goodness and his mercy and his grace that we've experienced and and so that was a beautiful opportunity for us to show our kids we, your parents don't have it all together, kiddos, um, and and we need God so deeply, and so that's why we did it. Uh, we've had several kids in our house, and we never got into foster parenting to adopt. Our goal is always foster care. Um, Fifty-two to fifty-four percent of foster children reunify with family, and so we need families that are wanting to reunify families. And um, so that was our goal. Not all the kids that we had in our home were adoptable or were went home, were able to be reunified. Um, some became adoptable. And um, so we have helped to match them with other families that, that knew had been called to adoption. Um, but we just knew that we couldn't, we couldn't sit on the shoreline and just watch the water go by. We had to dive in and find our place to serve in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Chandler, she's not only someone who works for you, but she's somebody that you've got to know over the years, Laura and Chad. But uh, what's your reflection in watching her journey as a foster parent? You know, I remember um, not long after I, I came to Agape, we well, actually, we were doing um, we were doing sort of our 50th anniversary video, I suppose it was. Yeah, I think so. What it was, and um, you know, we were going out and meeting with different foster families. And, and I think, you know, Laura and Chad and their family was, they were kind of this sort of different face of foster care. Some of the things maybe she's already kind of alluded to, you know, they have this nice home, they have this nice family, you, you know, and uh, they felt like, you know, we, we could sit on the shore and I guess what, that's how you referenced it, but we, we decided to dive in. And so I think, you know, that was a different face uh, of, of foster families. It was sort of a um, sort of a different uh, f- family look. Uh, you know, careful about what I say here, yeah, but yeah. Uh, y- you know, here was uh, a lot of times families like that are, are very supportive. They, they want to donate and support and volunteer, but rolling up your sleeves and becoming a foster parent, that's a, that's a whole different level of commitment. Mm-hmm. And, and the truth is a lot of times our affluent families don't want to do that. And, um, and, um, and they did. And, and I would say that was sort of the beginning of, of sort of a whole new crop of foster families. Mm. And it was, well, Chad and Laura can do this, you know, we can do this. And, um, and so we've, we've, our, you know, our, our foster family 
our foster families, you, you know, I, I would say they're, they're a little different looking than maybe we, we've seen in the past. And, um, or maybe you might see at other agencies or other places. And, um, and I think it's, you know, it's allowed Agape to really grow uh, in, in the area of foster care. And, mm-hmm. and, and Laura being a former foster, a foster family now, as you said earlier, you know, she could talk about the stories. She, it's real experiences, just like it was for me when I came mm-hmm. to Agape. These are real lived experiences. And um, so, you know, uh, you, we did it. You can do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's not for everybody, but, but uh, a lot more people can do it than are. And so if anybody's listening to this podcast and um, that are interested, we'd love to talk to you, whether mm-hmm. it's to be an Agape foster parent family or or to be one with the department of children's services or wherever you happen uh to be living um you know it's it's an incredible need it's what scripture calls us to i mean it's what scripture calls us to and so um that was sort of like an epiphany for me that hey you know foster families are starting to look a little different and we need to see that yeah and as far as what it looks like chad and i sometimes look like we've got our act together but you know we're a hot mess some days Um, especially when you've got to get a bigger vehicle to fit extra kids in it mm. and you're you've got three car seats you're trying to cram into one row in the car or or um you know you've got an extra teenager's big backpack that you got to fit in somewhere and you know you're running around like chickens with your heads cut off the only reason that we're able to do it is because we have the support of a lot of people around us and and all foster families need that um but the kids need it too they need to see people who are rooted in Jesus wrapping around a foster family to see what what true community is. Um, Because the reason that these kids are in care is because they've got the wrong kind of community. We're all surrounded by a community of people. I want to surround myself with people who are rooted in Jesus, but I want to bring Jesus and, and community to these families that are broken and struggling and whose kids are coming into care because They've got the wrong community around them. Um, community is a huge piece of what we do. And, and Agape really strives to help our foster families to stay afloat while they do it. We don't want them to burn out. We want them to thrive where they are so that they can do this really hard but really beautiful work. And that's, that's sort of that theme, really, across all, all of our programs. Um, you know... Uh, counseling's a, a little different, but e- even on the counseling side, often the challenges that, that people face when they come uh, to counseling, whether it be uh, marital work, uh, you know, a, a family dynamic, uh, often it's because of community that they're in. Uh, certainly in the domestic violence, working with victims of domestic violence, you know, it's that community. And, and I, I think Laura would, we would both want to encourage those listening to this podcast you know, agape, agape serves, um, but it's it's the church. Mm. Um, you know, we can provide these services with the love of Christ, but we're not ultimately going to be their community. And so that's where the church um, plays such a huge part of of the work that we do, um, because that community needs to be. The church community, and so um, that, that's such a such an important such an important part. 
So I've just encouraged churches to think about it that way. Agape's doing a great job. We're going to send checks over there. We're going to send volunteers. We're going to show up at their Fall Southern Social or, you know, be at their golf tournament. You know, the church uh, has got to see, you know, those biological families that we work with in foster care, those families who are having to basically become homeless uh, because they can no longer return to their home. Um, the church has got a, a safe place for people to be able to go to talk about the mental health maybe they're struggling with or the abuse that they have in their home. Um, the, that's the church's role. It's not Agape's role. Um, it's the church's role, and, and we want to encourage, always encourage churches to become more and more involved in providing that community mm-hmm. for the people that we work with. Yeah, it takes a village. It takes I mean, a village. That's uh, the epitome of you know what we originally envisioned when kind of came up with the name of the podcast but you're 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 nailing it in in what you're talking about and Laura as you're talking the story of Jesus walking on the water comes to mind um and I heard this reference a few years ago at church when uh Dave Clayton was talking and um you know we look at that story as Jesus walking on the water but you know Peter did too Mm -hmm. uh not for as long but um you know, often people take those steps of faith, um, and they're not sure where they're going to go. But some people are just afraid to get out of the boat. You know, some people are afraid to uh, attempt to walk on the water, proverbially. You know, but um, the, the way I love to look at it and the way he said it that day was, you got to be willing to get wet. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter never would have walked on water if he didn't overcome that fear of getting out of the boat and getting wet. Well, and we have to thank God for what he's done along the way, too. You know, Peter did walk on water, and he, praise be to God, that he walked on water. But then he had the opportunity to worship him wet, soaking wet. Yeah, yeah. You know, because God had had shown him a glimpse of what his faith could do. And and that's what we need. We just got to have the tiniest bit of faith to get us from day to day. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for reminding me of that story mm-hmm. yeah let's go into your role now as the uh, director of donor relations and tell us a little bit about what that entails oh man i love this role um i get a front seat to, i love she loves this role <laughs> <laughs> i get a front seat to hearing people's stories of why they feel called to give why they want to bless us with their gifts um i hear stories of people's redemption through the counseling services they've received, and so they want to give back or give forward for the for someone else to be blessed too. Um, there, there's an individual who who sent us an eight dollar check the other day. Chandler has four one dollar bills pegged to a cork board in his office. Those are very small gifts, but that's what they that's what they had. And I remi- I'm reminded of the widow's mites. Um, we, we have an opportunity to be very generous, and it's, it's hard with the, the wealth that we're surrounded by um, to give sacrificially because we don't, we don't feel it. We don't know what sacrificial giving is um, in this part of the world um, because we are the elite um, in comparison to the poverty that is in so many places. Um, but our wealth uh, is, is blessing people. But we have to let it. We have to let go. We got to hold very loosely to what we have, and it's so amazing to see people be generous out of the the little that they have. Um, now I'm not gonna sneeze at the big checks that we get to because we get some amazing gifts from people who 
who um, who have wealth, and that's their gift to us. Um, everybody has has something to give, whether it is being a foster parent, um, whether it is writing a check, whether it is encouraging um, foster families or mentoring women who are coming out of domestic violence situations. Um, we all have something to give. And so it's just looking for how to be sacrificial in that. Laura, share a story that encourages you, that has inspired you, that um, not that you need a lot of motivation to get up and go to work every day, but that maybe some days you're reminded of why you do what you do. Oh, where do I even start? There are so many stories every day. The, the first few days of my um, of my new role, I I would I had to get a fresh box of tissues because I would just be reading people's testimonies. When they would give, I would respond and say, thank you so much for your gift. Please tell me what your connection is to Agape and why you're giving. And, you know, a lot of these stories are very personal to people, and I um, would feel like I'd violate their privacy by telling some of them, but it is beautiful to see how they've been impacted. Um, even people who um, who have given, uh, given up a child in the past, and so they want to bless somebody who they know has to make that hard choice themselves. And it is heart-wrenching. But it's also very humbling. Probably the most profound gift I see come in regularly. Um, I was alerted to it because the amount was never consistent. It was kind of close, but never consistent coming in relatively regularly. Um, And I found out that it was the grandparent of a child who'd been placed. And she just gave what she could as often as she could because she knew that it was going to bless another child who had to be placed. And, And she hated that her she wasn't able to raise her grandson and that her, her child who placed the child for adoption um, wasn't able to be the parent that they needed to be for the child. But she knew that that child was right where they were supposed to be. And she just wanted to continue to bless the work. Mm. It's humbling. That's beautiful. Just to transition a little bit, you have been involved with healing hands uh, now for a little bit. And uh, earlier this year, you spoke at our women of hope conference weekend that we had in Murfreesboro, um, where we had four or 500 women that came together to fellowship and to worship and to learn from each other. Uh, tell us about how you got involved with uh, our Women of Hope ministry and tell us about your experience. Well, I'd been hearing about it for years, um, and it had always fallen at just a difficult time of year for my schedule, but my mom has been involved for a long time. She loves this conference. And she's like, you've got to come, you've got to come. Right. Absolutely. So she says, you've got to participate this time. And then uh, there was an opportunity to be a breakout presenter. And so I got to talk about why it's so important to care for kids from hard places, kids who've experienced trauma, no matter what role we're in, foster parenting, teachers, Sunday school teachers, um, just community members. Um, But it was beautiful to see all these women coming together on mission for the Lord um, to find where they can serve him when they go home. So the conference is making huge impact in our, our tribe. And I cannot wait for the spring. It's going to be so neat. Yeah. Hope I get to be part of it again. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for being part of it. And we appreciate you locking arms with us in that regard. And it is coming up in February. Um, the first weekend in February, the Women of Hope Conference will be happening again in Murfreesboro. People can go to our website and find out more about that. But 
Um, tell us a little bit, Laura, but just about your heart and your passion for women's ministry. I love getting women in a room together, um, women studying the word together, and um, and storytelling. Honestly, a lot of a lot of what we do when we gather is is tell about God's faithfulness. I think it's always important to to lay down markers where we see God being faithful, so we can look back and see, oh, look, look what He's done along the way. Um, and when women come together, they tell stories. Um, so being able to to gather in a room and lift our voices and praise to him together and um, challenge one another to to find places to serve women are women are strong women are active um, women are doing really big things in the church um, there is a place for women to to show up and and show off what god is doing through them and um we're louder when we're together, so I think it's really important for women to get together, whether it's just a few um, or a many, but women need to gather and tell of God's faithfulness to each other and remind each other um, why we are so powerful and why he created us to do to do his ministry uniquely because of our, our gender. Tell us, uh, as we close out here um, in just a minute, just for both of you sitting in your different roles and, you know, different... Um, careers, life stages, uh, for where you are right now, uh, what do you enjoy most about what you get to get up and do every day um, in your job? You know, uh, I, I took a, um, I took a test uh, back. Uh, I actually worked for HCA for a little while. That's, that's a, another story. But they, they do a lot of testing before you go and become a part of their sort of executive team. And, and, um, and I'll never forget the uh, president of TriStar at the time, I believe it was Larry Close, and um, he met me in Rome, Georgia, I believe it was Rome, where they had a hospital, I was still in Atlanta at the time. And I said, well, how, how did the test come out? And he says, well, you're definitely a coach. <laughs> and um, so I think that's, you know, uh, been something I really enjoy. Um, you know, I've got really good people, and the Lord's blessed us with that. So I get to coach a little bit. I get to coach, you know, when, when we have some challenging things. I, I'm not on the day-to-day front line of the work that we do. Um, but I, I, I get an opportunity to coach, ask questions, think through things, um, give opportunities for people to grow professionally. You know, those are, those are pretty rewarding things. But, but I think probably for me, I know I get up every day. Not that everybody does it in the work that they do. Everybody has the opportunity. I don't care what your job is. Everybody has the opportunity to do this. But, but working at Agape, being the director at Agape, it's, there's a unique opportunity to go to work every day. And I know we're fixing to impact somebody's life. Um, I know we're probably going to deal with some really difficult, hard things. But somebody's life uh, is going to probably be forever changed for the good because of the work that I'm fixing to walk through those doors and our team is going to do. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, It's all about perspective, right? And that's a great perspective to have. Laura, how about you? Probably my favorite thing about coming to work every day is just hearing the redemption that happens through a lot of the work that we do. Um, even just yesterday we were discussing a, a child, a middle school age child, who we got to celebrate that his brother has been approved to take him and it's been a long time coming we've been 
hoping for this um, for him for a long time. And we get to celebrate with this kiddo. They get to be with his brother um, and reunify with, with him. And, and we get to celebrate when women come through um, our domestic violence program and get on their feet and be able to be whole again. And we even have an amazing contract employee right now who has had her whole life story touched by so many areas of agape. She went through the domestic violence program, not really knowing that it was connected to agape, who she had placed a child with years ago. And so it's come full circle because she's now working for the agency. And it's awesome to see her get to celebrate and pay forward the gifts that she's been given by God through, through her connection to it. Uh, I just love to celebrate. Celebration mm-hmm. is, we do, we do celebrations pretty well at Agape, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's awesome to be able to celebrate in court with people and celebrate um, after difficult meetings that, you know, it didn't, maybe it didn't turn out exactly like we wanted, but God has a plan here. So we get to celebrate with each other. Yeah, that's great. Parties are good. Parties are fantastic. Parties are fun. So just in closing, agape and healing hands, uh, we just often run in the same circle, right? So uh, not only are we both here in Nashville, but our offices are literally right down the road from each other. We both have foundational deep roots in our tribe and fellowship in the Churches of Christ, and and especially here in Nashville. And even though we aren't exclusive to that by any means, uh, we just know our people as we have a lot of the same supporters, a lot of the same friends. You and I were even talking earlier. Uh, Our president, Art Woods, he was director of development at Agape for 16 years. That's right. And had a long career there. So just give us some thoughts on just our two organizations in that regard, how, um, you know, we coexist here in Nashville together. Uh, We draw from a lot of the same base, but we do different services. Um, and, you know, we just have deep roots within the Church of Christ. Yeah, if you think about the two organizations, there's, you know, Agape, really, we're a Middle Tennessee a domestic uh, ministry. You know, if you think about Healing Hands, m- most of the work that Healing Hands does is international. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're different in that respect, but yet we're the same in, in and, and, you know, you, you mentioned tribe. I mean, I, I think about the tribe or the Churches of Christ and, you know, people used to always say, or we would even say, you know, we are people of the book. And so there are things that are pretty clear in Scripture um, about how we serve and treat vulnerable people in our communities. Uh, and I, won't, I got a whole sermon on that, and I won't get into it. But, uh, you know, you think about um, Deuteronomy, you think about Isaiah, and you think about you know, the prophets and what they warned Israel and Judah about on and on and on. What was it? It was a lot of different things, but almost every single time it was you're not taking care of vulnerable people. And so I think about, you know, what Healing Hands does, serving vulnerable people, vulnerable populations throughout the world, and Agape serving vulnerable people in our community and in our backyard. But both organizations are deeply rooted in the command of Scripture and the love of Christ, loving mm-hmm. because, you know, we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. We love our neighbors as ourselves, whether they're in our backyard or in other parts of the world. That's true. 
That's true, and it takes both. Takes right? both. So we got to walk across the street, but uh, we also have people um, in a different hemisphere that uh, we're called to love as well. Yeah. So we appreciate that greatly, and just how um, just how much we can exist together in that same space and uh, fulfill our missions um, together. Yeah. Um, and I love I love that a lot. So Laura, just in closing out. Um, how can someone learn more about Agape or get involved? Well, call me first. I, you know, I always love to field conversations, um, meet people for coffee to talk about the work we're doing. I love to tell about the successes. Um, you can get information off our website. We've got social media channels um, that you can follow along with. Um, we get a, we've got a um, newsletter that comes out quarterly, all sorts of mailings. We've got an email list as well. Um, but talk about the work. Once you know about it, tell people about it. Because there are, there are populations that do not know what we do and that need our services. Um, and then there are people who have the capacity to give that need to have a place to give. And we, we're not territorial about it. I think there's a lot of work being done in the community that's similar to what we do, maybe not from a faith perspective. But each of those needs people of faith diving into it. So um, find a way to to get involved. If you want to consider foster parenting, I'd love to talk to you about being a foster parent or supporting foster parents or starting a ministry at your church, making sure that your church knows how to support these vulnerable populations that Chandler has been talking about. Um, There are so many ways to dive in. Yeah, that's great. Hey, thank you both. Good to be here. Thank Thank you you for having us. Yeah, thank you both for taking time out and coming down to join us and tell us more about yourselves and about the ministry. And we greatly appreciate it. And, um, yeah, thank you for being part of our village. And thanks for coming to share all about yours. Honored to be here. Uh, just a few closing thoughts on the conversation with Chandler and Laura. One, I just love how Agape stands in the gap for so many people who are in need, whether that's through their foster care and adoption Um, arm of what they do in that ministry where they serve so many families or through their counseling services or the domestic violence shelter. Like Agape is known in our community um, as an organization who just stands in the gap. And I was just reminded while talking to them and listening to them that uh, I learned about Agape from a really young age. Uh, My parents back home um, were friends of Agape and supporters, and I remember uh, coming up to some of their uh, dinners as a young kid, and uh, just always that name and them as an organization was known around our house, and, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, a few things that Chandler and Laura in particular mentioned was, I love how Chandler and his wife Sherry, just at their uh, life stage as being empty nesters, uh, decided to step into being foster parents and how they did that when they still had kids in their house, and just how that, that is unusual for people who are in their uh, mid to late 40s. And um, Chandler just gave a lot of great statistics that just told stories about foster care. Uh, one that really stood out to me was that here in our state, in the state of Tennessee, uh, 8,000 kids are in foster care. And I know some of you are listening that don't live here in Tennessee, but uh, for those of us that are and do, that number just really was astounding in, um, in so many ways. And for Laura to hear the story 
of how uh, being a foster parent and being uh, part of a foster family was uh, something that was a seed planted early on, even when she was in high school, when her parents decided to be foster parents and she had a foster sister. And undoubtedly, that definitely had an impact when she and Chad, uh, after they'd been married several years, decided to be foster parents themselves. And one of her friends asked the question, why, why now, why are you doing this? And she said, I quote, our lives are really easy. Um, and then she just went on to tell us that I needed something that reminded me that I needed God. And then also how she just kind of closed out by saying, God wants us to wade into difficult places. And that's true. That's not um, necessarily what we wake up every morning um, just longing for necessarily, but um, just how for both Chandler and Laura, how they have devoted themselves um, not only in their home, not only in their career, but also in their home um, to be an example and being foster parents. So um, thank you. Thank you for listening to that. And thank you, Chandler and Laura, for being a part of it. So, all right. Thanks for listening and joining us on It Takes a Village. Our episode ending shout out goes to our very own Taryn Foster, <laughs> who is currently sitting across from me as she records this episode. And I just surprised her. And her face just turned beet red, and she's laughing. But uh, Taryn has been with us since 2019 as our wonderful marketing coordinator. She makes lots of creative, artsy design stuff that is awesome and amazing. And some of you longtime listeners will know her as having been a co-host on the podcast in seasons one and two. Taryn, you bring a lot of youthful energy and excitement and laughter to our office family here at Healing Hands. So thank you for all that you do. All right, friends, until next time. See ya.